Are you a creative who loves sharing your knowledge? Do you dream of having your very own book? That dream could now become a reality thanks to Walter Foster, a leading publisher in instructional art and craft books for aspiring artists of all ages. In celebration of their upcoming 100-year anniversary, they're giving artists the opportunity to win a book deal. Whether you're a painter, crafter, or love drawing, this is a fantastic chance to share your art and become a published author. Aspiring authors can submit ideas in any of the following categories. Drawing, painting, craft, and other art, such as mixed media, cartooning, paint pouring, manga, etc. The contest is open to any artist living in the United States over the age of 18 who has never published a book before. You have until December 31st, 2021 to submit your entries. Just go to walterfoster.com slash winabookdeal to see the full list of guidelines and entry terms. That's walterfoster.com slash winabookdeal. What are you waiting for? Go! Hi everyone, Jessica here. Before we dive into this week's episode, I wanted to share some great news. You all asked for it and we delivered. Top Artist is now on YouTube, which means that you can watch a video version of our interviews so that you can see some of the incredible work that we're discussing with our artists. Just click the link in the show notes and head on over to check it out. Now, let's get on with this week's show. The ultimate goal, I say a lot of times, is that I keep making this art until I don't have to make it anymore until until we we actually do have justice for all and true liberty and and peace and everything that we proclaim that this country was built on and just want more of that I'm Jessica Stewart and you're listening to the My Modern Met Top Artist podcast Michelle Obama, Janet Jackson, Jamie Foxx, Joe Biden. Most artists would kill to have any of these celebrities share their art. For Nicholas Smith, what he'd really love is to live in a world where he didn't have to draw portraits of those lost to police violence and other stories of racial injustice that populate his Instagram feed. Today, we're speaking with illustrator Nicholas Smith. Smith, who calls himself an artivist, is extremely active in spotlighting the Black Lives Matter movement and also showcasing great moments in Black history that are often overlooked. This work, which started as a sort of personal art therapy when he was still working as an architect, has changed his life at the same time that it has become a visual expression of what many Black Americans feel. I first interviewed Nicholas in July 2020 for My Modern Met, just a few months after the murder of George Floyd and the wave of protests that it brought across the United States. Nicholas's thoughtful drawings of these protests, as well as commemorative portraits of Floyd and others murdered at the hands of the police, were becoming a rallying cry for those looking for change. While we had a nice exchange about what pushed him to start creating these digital illustrations, I'm excited to dig in further with him today on Top Artist and ask the questions that you, our listeners, have submitted. We'll talk about what artivism, the term he coined is, and how his weekly practice of Sunday sketches changed his life, and how recently having a son has also had an impact on the type of art that he produces. We'll also chat about the new book he's illustrated, The 1619 Project, Born on the Water, and how that will change what we know about the Black history of America. So let's dive in and get right to the core, as we pick up with Nicholas sharing what the word artivism means to him. Some of the job titles when we look at your work are concept artist, children's book author, film illustrator, movie poster designer. But one of the ones I'm most intrigued about is artivist. Can you Mm -hmm. define what it means to be an artivist? Yeah, artivism. Um, I am an artivist. Uh, I, I see artivism as really obviously like the combination of art and activism, but like 
using my art to try to pinpoint what are those what I call broken bones or those things in the world that are messed up and not working right and need to be fixed. And there's so many people in the world who say like, you know, how can I help? What can I do? There's so many people that want to, to fix the problems. And um, I use my art to kind of inspire people to make that step or make a positive change or, you know, maybe sometimes directing people in a, in the direction of like, okay, this is, this is how you can add your name to this petition or, you know, contact your district attorney or your mayor um, and make some sort of, you know, real change happen. Um, so it's, it's a little bit beyond just like making art purely for entertainment and just having people smile. Um, but also it, it is that, but it's also like, I want to do this to be able to have people say, okay, this is, this is interesting. This taught me something new. Um, this showed me um, what I can do to help the problem or, or, you know, make a change. Interestingly, this artivism and this need to do something to make a difference was born out of a rather difficult time in Nicholas's life. About eight years ago, he was going through a divorce and experiencing a lot of highs and lows. After a friend encouraged him to use his art to lift his spirits, he began his Sunday sketch series. This series pushed Nicholas to create one piece of art every Sunday and post it online, no matter what. Starting while he was still working in architecture, it would have an enormous impact on his life, particularly after he posted one image that would be the first piece of viral art he created. Posted one Sunday, this single drawing of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. wearing a hoodie would send his artistic journey in a direction that he never could have imagined at the time. Um, yeah, that was that was really kind of the beginning, or, or I guess you can say it was during uh, the Trayvon Martin trial um, where his, his killer was found not guilty. And there was this big hoodie movement at the time, it's about eight years ago. Um, and that was the time where... I, I feel like if you were a creative person and, you know, you had any sort of like social justice drive in you, then that was your time to really become an art of it, really. Um, that was a, it was the weekend that the Black Lives Matter movement began. Um, so a lot of stuff was happening. And that was that was really when I made this piece of Martin Luther King Jr. in a hoodie. It went viral and um, I ended up being on CNN like the next day to talk about it. That was the moment really where it's like, okay, this is what artivism can do. This is how I can use my art to kind of like wake people up or, you know, inspire people. I said, I'm going to just make an art piece every Sunday, you know, once a week, I'm just going to make some art. So it, on one hand, it was like art as therapy. On the other hand, it was um, artivism and, you know, just trying to reflect what's happening in the world. I'm curious how you decided specifically to marry the hoodie movement with the figure of Dr. Martin Luther King. Um, how did that idea come about? I was actually, I was talking to one of my classmates at Hampton. Um, um, we were talking about just the hoodie movement and how interesting it would be for, you know, iconic leaders throughout history. Like, what would they be doing during this time? how would they protest or how would they really speak out for justice for all? And the, the first 
iconic leader that came to my mind was Martin Luther King. And so for one, it was one of the fastest pieces that I ever created. It was just like Photoshop, you know, I'm gonna take this hoodie and take this classic image of Dr. King and put them together. (laughs) And then I, so I made it kind of look vintage, like this old, like, you know, 1960s um, scratched kind of photograph. Um, Cause I wanted to look as real as possible. And I think that really kind of like shook people to see uh, Martin Luther King in in such a different way. But I, I felt like it spoke to the moment because that's, I, you know, Dr. King was arrested many times for protesting and he was amazing. He was a fiery protester. And so I think that's at the minimum, he would have been, you know, wearing a hoodie and, and marching in the streets. You know, it was about Dr. King's dream of not wanting anybody to be judged for their outward appearance. And it was funny because like so many people were making my point by people were saying like, oh, you're making Dr. King look like a thug. And it's like, that's the point of the art piece. Like, he, you know, if if Trayvon Martin hadn't been um, profiled in that way, he would still be alive. So many artists dream of going viral. And now Nicholas had done it by producing art that was close to his heart. But as a working professional, it wasn't so easy to just walk away from the stability of his career. In fact, it would be another six years before he was ready to move on from his career in architecture. In the meantime, he also threw himself into Sunday Sketch and continued to produce more work that had deep meaning. This brought opportunities, such as a portrait of Mike Brown, the 18-year-old black man shot and killed by a white police officer in 2014, being used as the poster art for a documentary on that incident. By the time we fast forward to spring 2020, Nicholas's artivism was in full swing. And in addition to digital portraits, he began creating other powerful images in support of the massive protests that were happening across America. One particular illustration that caught our attention last year, and in fact, I interviewed you about it for My Modern Met, is an image of protest, of course, in the aftermath of George Floyd's murder um, and uh, the unfortunate murder of a number of Black men and women at the hands of police. You posted an illustration where we see a young Black woman kneeling before a line of police in riot gear, and she's holding up a mirror to them. I was wondering if you could take us a bit through that image and the concept you had for creating it. Yeah, so that was um, a a photo by Daisigano that I kind of recreated. He was at some protests. I think it was in the Bay Area. It was just so stunning, the the shot of, of this woman just kneeling in front of the police. And at the time, there was so much outrage and, you know, unrest and... Um, it was really getting out of hand to see how the police were just overreach and the response that the very aggressive and violent response that they had towards uh, a lot of mostly protesters who were being peaceful and just crying out for justice, justice and peace. And so, yeah, I I kind of recreated it to put a mirror in her hand and have her showing the cops to their face like this is what you've become this is do you see what you're doing so i yeah i just kind of like recreated this this image to reflect that and then so it's called reflect and i created i i added this this poem with it that i wrote um it says so that they may see what they have become 
so that they may see what they have become, so that they may see your light, so that they may see what they have become, so that we may see what they have always been. Um, and that's reflect. And um, yeah, it's that was probably one of my most popular pieces because um, that was the height of the protest and of 2020. A lot of the illustrations you did during that period were shared very widely. I mean, some of the people who have shared your work include Michelle Obama, <laughs> Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, Viola Davis, Jamie Foxx. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. What did it mean to you to have people of that caliber resonating with your work and saying, this is the person whose work visually represents what I believe in? Yeah, I mean, it, it's one of the highest honors as an artist. I mean, these people have such like monumental platforms and I'm just like, you're using your platform to showcase my art and also saying that you agree with, you know, where I stand on these issues. And it's just unbelievable. Janet Jackson and just like all these people. And when, when Michelle Obama posted um, the, the portraits that I did, of um, Ahmad and Brianna and George Floyd, that was that was unexpected and also it was such a catalyst. And like I, I would go on CNN and there would be you know protests in New Zealand and places where you know my my art was on signs and stuff like that. And it just that's one of the you know one of the beautiful things about combining art and social media is that like. You know, if your if your if your art resonates, it can it can fly around the world in a matter of minutes, and just it's all of a sudden everywhere. <laughs> and you know, that's one of the that's one of the interesting things about being an artist during this time is like it's this vehicle of the internet <laughs> combined with all this crazy stuff that's happening. On one hand, you know, we're able to see all of these moments of police brutality and and so many people can, we can raise awareness so fast. And then we can also spread inspirational art. We can spread solutions. We can, you know, sign petitions and get so many people on board at the same time. It's, it's an interesting time. Some of Nicholas's most widely shared works are the moving portraits he creates of those lost to police violence. George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and Ahmaud Arbery are just some of the people who he's commemorated with his art. The sharing of this artwork, of course, helps keep their memory alive. But I was curious to see if Nicholas had any personal contact with members of those families and what their thoughts were about his portraits. I feel like with almost everyone, there's somebody in the family or connected to the family, cousin, brother, sister, something that has liked it or shared it or told me what it means. There was after a Tatiana Jefferson who was killed by the police after she was, you know, playing video games with her nephew. Their family was so touched by the the piece that I created and they asked if I if they could have a piece and I, you know, sent them a piece and I, they have it in their home and there's it's it's just like those moments. That's one of the most rewarding moments for me to see. Uh, I, I think it's just something about like that ability for art to have a person live on and you know, I always say like it's giving a voice to the voiceless or in some ways just continuing on the legacy of a person that's that's no longer here that, you know, we wish that we could see them and talk to them again. And sometimes it's just that art that can capture the the essence of 
a person or a moment. And it's unbelievable to, to see the families reach out like that and have that yeah. some sort of connection, you know. No, I can imagine it must be extremely moving to know that you've touched them also on a personal level um, yeah. in, a deep, in a deep way. And I think that goes back to the whole artist therapy thing. I mean, it's to have it start out as artist therapy for me, just going through a tough time. And now so many people will write me and say that, you know, this this art really helped me get through the grieving process and, you know, helped me to smile or laugh or cry. It's one of those full circle moments. 2020 brought a lot of changes in the world, but it also brought one big change personally for Nicholas. His son Zion was born. And as becoming a parent does for many, it changed Nicholas in a deep and profound way. It also made his artivism all the more important as Nicholas looks towards the future for his son. It really speeds up the clock in a way to say like, you know, he's going to be a grown man and not not that far in the future. <laughs> like I want to see a world that is actually functioning better than it is right now as he grows up and, and you know, when he eventually goes off into the world on his own. It's not that far away. It's one of those things where it's like, it feels like forever going through the process of pregnancy and waiting for this kid to get here. And then the kid gets here and it's like, oh my goodness, he's going to be 15 soon. (laughs) He's going to be walking and talking and driving and going to college. And I don't want him to be in a world where he faces any (laughs) sort of like backlash for his skin being brown or you know i i don't want that and if there's anything that i can do you know through my art or whatever to try to you know reach as touch as many people and change as many laws reform things as i can then i'm gonna i'm gonna do that it definitely it definitely puts everything into perspective gift giving is an art and thanks to the internet it's easier than ever to find that perfect present for someone with so much to choose from how do you find that special something without hours of searching well that's where my modern med store comes in since 2017 we've been curating the best creative products for makers around the world whether you're looking for a gift for an artist architect space lover or anywhere in between we have you covered One of my all-time favorite things in my Modern Met store is a planter that defies gravity. Yes, really. It's the stylish, life-levitating planter, and it's perfect for all you minimalists out there. It has an angular white pot that hovers over a rich oak base, all thanks to magnets. But if you're lacking a green thumb, there's plenty more in our store to check out. As a listener of Top Artist, you can get 10% off your entire purchase when you use the code TOPARTIST10 at checkout. Again, that's Top Artist 10 for 10% off everything in my modern med store. Happy shopping. One of the ways that Nicholas is hoping to affect change is through his work as a book illustrator. His new project, set to be released in November, is the 1619 Project, Born on the Water. The book, authored by Nicole Hannah-Jones and Renee Watson, chronicles the consequences of slavery and the history of Black resistance in the United States. Nicholas's thoughtful illustrations bring a stunning visual to a book intended for all ages. First of all, I'm really excited about this, like the biggest picture book that I've ever done and maybe the most important that I've ever done. Definitely the most important, <laughs> I think. If you've, if you've read uh, Nicole Hannah-Jones' 1619 Project essay, she has a little bit of a recap of her upbringing. She talks about You know, there was a time when she was in school and the teacher gave an assignment and asked everybody to 
draw a flag from where you came from or we basically like trace your lineage, ancestry, all that stuff. And most of the kids in the class who were mostly white kids, they could do that very easily. And she had no idea. And so that's kind of the, the kind of how the whole children's book, or I guess I'll say picture book um, starts off. Cause this book is for everyone. It's not really a children's book exclusively. It, it is for <laughs> everyone. And yeah, that's how it starts off is uh, this little girl who has this assignment and she doesn't know where exactly she came from. And so she ends up getting a nice history lesson from her grandma. And it's so beautiful. Um, It's in verse, beautiful poetry in the book. And it takes you all the way back to Central West Africa and goes all the way to today. And so it's, it's heavy, it's deep, it's one of the most important picture books I think that will ever be made. And I think everybody needs it. When you get a story like this, how do you, how do you start working through it? I mean, especially again, with such important material, I can imagine there's no, a sense of pressure or responsibility, you know, to really bring it to life in the proper way. Yeah. um, Well, it started with such amazing um, poetry by Nicole and Renee. And from there, I just did a ton of research to try to understand, for one, a little bit more about, you know, my ancestry. I'm My ancestors were enslaved and they came from Central uh, West Africa. So I'm literally writing the picture book about my lineage and my ancestry. A lot of research on the culture of, you know, the food, the clothes, the scarification, what life was like before whips and chains and, you know, slave ships and all the stuff that we typically think about when there's, there's so much more before that. And so that's one of the beautiful things about the book is that there's a lot of that rich history that we don't often get to see visualized. And so it was really fun to just be able to kind of piece that together and, and create a visual of, you know, what that kingdom was like. And how so many places in Africa were like that before colonization. Incredible. Well, that book comes out, am I correct, in November? Yes, November 16th. So everyone can go. I'm sure you can pre-order copies. Yes, 1619books.com. So now we turn it over to you, our listeners, for Ask the Artist. We asked you to send your questions for Nicholas and we're overwhelmed with the response. What we can't get to here, we will, as always, put on our Instagram at Top Artist Podcast and over on Twitter at Top Artist Pod. You can also watch the full version of Ask the Artist on YouTube by clicking the link in the show notes. Let's get started. The first one comes from Zoe Ike on Instagram. And they ask, what are some steps you recommend for a young Black artist to start making money? Mm, Good question. Hmm. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I, I would go back to the piece of advice of being consistent and putting art out there and putting it out there fearlessly. Use the tool of social media to get your stuff out there to the world as much as possible. And, and with that, you know, for me with Sunday Sketch series, it was like, just keep practicing, keep, don't just keep practicing, but practice and put it out there um, at the same time. 
And the more eyeballs that, that get to your art, the more job opportunities will come. Our next question comes from Sam, and she was interested in understanding how your background in architecture influenced you as an artist. Mm. Um, it definitely, I feel like I, I take so many lessons from architecture school um, with me every day. Um, and I think part of it is just like understanding the the proportions of like the scale of humans in the world, <laughs> the scale of how we fit into nature, but then also nature next to the built environment. Um, when I do a lot of uh, concept art for films, I tend to go back more into my architecture skills and studies and things like that. I open up my twin motion software, which is one of the coolest 3D modeling softwares. I do a lot of 3D modeling, especially for, for film concepts, concept art, concept architecture. Got a chance to do some concept art for the Black Panther sequel, which I'm really excited about. And I work with uh, Ryan Coogler on like you know, Space Jam sequel and uh, Judas and the Black Messiah. With with film projects, it's like you really gotta you really gotta understand a lot about the built world and how people flow through spaces, perspective, all that kind of stuff. And camera angles related to perspective, and um, sometimes it ends up being storyboarding too. Just like you need more, you know, to to visualize the movement of people through space. So. Um, I, I end up thinking about like at the end of the day, like I'm like, man, I'm glad that I ended up going through this path. I don't feel like I have a wasted degree or anything. As we wrapped our time with Nicholas, I asked him, as we ask every artist we interview this season, the type of impact that he hoped his art would have. His words are a reminder that while we continue to work toward a better future where people of all races are treated equally, there is still a lot of work to be done. I mean, I, you know, the ultimate goal, I, I say a lot of times, is that I keep making this art until I don't have to make it anymore, until we, we actually do have justice for all and true liberty and, and peace and everything that we proclaim that this country was built on and just want more of that. Thank you again to Nicholas Smith for taking the time to chat with us and open up about the meaning behind his illustrations. You can see more of his work on nicholas.art, nicholas.com, which is spelled N-I-K-K-O-L-A-S, as well as social media channels that we'll link in the show notes. Also, be sure to pick up the 1619 Project Born on the Water, which comes out November 16th and is now available for pre-order. That's all for me today on My Modern Met Top Artist Podcast. I hope you enjoyed the interview, and if you don't want to miss out when new episodes are released, make sure you subscribe. Also, if you enjoy the podcast, we'd really appreciate a rating or review. We'll be back in two weeks when my co-host Sarah Barnes will be here to interview another top creative. And in the meantime, make sure you get your daily art and culture fix on mymodernmet.com.